0: It is time. Pour that wine so you are feeling fine. Kick up your feet and take a seat. Fancy a blether? Let's have one together. Hi guys, welcome to Fancy a Blether podcast. I am your host, Kirsty Taylor, and today we are joined by the fabulous Naomi Howell. Hello! And we are going to be talking about all things anti-racism and white privilege. But we thought we should probably start off by... Telling you how we know each other. Do you wanna take it away, Naomi?
1: Um, yeah. So I feel like our story is a bit of a strange one, considering that we live in (laughs) different countries. Uh, so I live in London, and me and Kirsty actually met in Canada, where we worked at a summer camp together. Uh, how long ago was it? Like a year ago now? Yeah, like a year ago,
0: like last summer. Really random that we actually live a lot closer than where we met. Like we met on the other side of the world, but we're countries. yeah, London, literally like
1: so a few hours apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah and Naomi is the number one London tour guide. Yes,
1: I am. Around. Oh my god, yes. Book me. No, I'm joking. I'm not actually a tour <laughs> guide. If you're my friend, I will. but I'm not actually offering my services. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we're
0: going to start off the podcast by talking about our small wonder of the week. So every week on the podcast, I talk about a small wonder of the week, which is just something that is like underappreciated that um, you really enjoyed this week. So Naomi, what is your small wonder of the week?
1: Um, this is going to sound a bit strange, but I recently got into drinking tea. I used to be a coffee person and I'm trying to stop. So I've recently started drinking tea and I got this new forest fruits tea and it smells amazing. And it just makes me so happy.
0: Mm, that's so nice. I love it tastes that.
1: good too, but like it also smells great
0: that's nice and I bet it's not expensive too because it's It's, Aldi right
1: from Aldi it's like £1.39 or something it's amazing so good
0: so my small wonder of the week is um the pitter patter of rain against my living room windows we've had a pretty hot couple of weeks in Scotland which is a very big rarity and um I've actually missed the rain a little bit to be perfectly honest and I just really love the sound of the rain when you're like inside all cozied up so yeah that's my small wonder of the week that's nice so um, now we're going to talk about the poem of the week. So this week I find a poet on Instagram called Natasha. You can check her out at, um, at Natasha writes. Um, just a warning, like this, poet, this poem is pretty graphic. So if you're not like in the right mind space for this or need to pause or something, like feel free to do so. Um, and this poem is called The New Era of Racism. Black and blue bruises from the ones that abuse us, denied for our skin tone and killed for our knowledge, put into a system that shreds us to pieces, where there is no recreational belief to help us get back on our feet. Broken from lies they tell while they whip us on camera, until out blood runs cold, this is the new era, era of racism. Where the blacks are still the prize for the ones lighter than our eyes, this is the new era of racism. So you guys can check out Natasha on Instagram and I seriously recommend that you do. She has some incredible poems and um, yeah, so now. Hi guys, just Kirsty popping in here to let you know about the charity spot of the week. So every week on the podcast, I'll be highlighting a charity. Um, This week, the charity that I'm highlighting is the Black Curriculum. I'll have their link in the show notes, but a little bit about the, about the Black Curriculum. Um, they are reimagining the future of education through Black British history. And their aims, or mission, I guess, is to provide a sense of belonging and identity to young people across the UK, to teach an accessible, educational Black British history curriculum that raises attainment for young people and to improve social cohesion between young people in the UK. So there's lots you can do to help them out. They have um, a petition to sign, they've got donations or other ways you can help, so if you check out their website you can find out more about that. So yeah, enjoy the rest of the episode. Okay, guys, welcome back. So um, we're just going to start off this episode by talking exactly about what white privilege is. So um, I am a white woman, so I have grown up with white privilege, and I think it's something that it's really easy to be like blissfully ignorant about, but the reality is that your ignorance is not impacting you, it's impacting other people. So we just want to start off by explaining what white privilege is. I don't know if you want to do a little definition, Naomi.
1: Um. I would say, I don't know, it's hard to really define what white privilege is. I think it's more just understanding that when someone says that you have white privilege, it's not personal. It's not a personal attack. It's not them saying that you're so privileged and that makes you a bad person. It's worse when people try and deny that it exists because there is so, so much evidence out there that it does exist, purely from the fact that like, we're both women and we have certain experiences that we'll share because we're women, but then we'll also just have particular experiences that we won't share because you are a white woman and I'm a black woman. And that doesn't mean that you're better or worse than me or I'm better or worse than you. It just means that we have these different experiences. And it also doesn't necessarily mean that having white privilege makes your life easy because I I hear a lot of people say that like, oh, you know, white privilege doesn't exist because I'm white and I've had a really difficult life. And it's not saying that, Having white privilege means that your life is going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's just saying that the reasons that your life may be difficult or the reasons that you will struggle is not directly linked to your race. Whereas for someone of color, the the struggles that they will have in their life will be a direct link to their race.
0: Exactly. So it's just a fact. Like we live in a world where you're like, you're the basically white privilege is the color of your skin does not impact your opportunities in your life. Like it doesn't mean that you're not going to have other problems for other reasons, but the reason is not the color of your skin. So it's just something that has happened due to obviously such a gross and intense, like long history of oppression of black people and has still not ended. And really, it's really quite sad that we're having to talk about this today and it hasn't gotten better than it was yeah 60 years ago so
1: definitely and I think it's also important to understand the difference between like race nationality and ethnicity because I feel like there's a lot of conversation people are having now and they're trying to deny it because they're saying oh I'm I'm not white I'm Italian or like I've seen ridiculous things like that people are like oh I'm not white I'm Spanish so I don't have white privilege and it's like there's a very big difference between your race your nationality and your ethnicity so for me for example my race is I'm black my nationality is I'm British because I was born and raised in England and then my ethnicity is that I'm Caribbean you know my parents are from Jamaica and St. Lucia so that makes me Caribbean so I can be all three of these things at the same time it's not just being one and that affects whether you're privileged or not you are all all of these things at the same time and that's what makes you who you are.
0: Yeah exactly your identity is not just defined by one part of you so like, I'm white, which is obviously one part of me, but being Scottish is a different part of me. And similarly, people who are Black and Scottish, those are two different identities that they have that make them who they are. Also, exactly. I recommend that if you want to learn more about that, there's a really cool, um, it's called Black and Scottish, literally on BBC iPlayer that people should really watch. And it just, like, opens up your eyes to the representation that is lacking in this country in particular. Obviously, I can't speak for the rest of Britain because... I don't live there, but we do have similar policies and things like that. Like Mm -hmm. we do have the same overriding government at the moment. Yeah,
1: definitely. Although I will say that like me being born and raised in London, I think my eyes have very much been closed to the way that the rest of the country is because London is so diverse and it's such a melting pot. Like growing up, you assume that the rest of the UK is the same. And it's only kind of when you get out of your comfort zone, you realize that that isn't necessarily the case. So that was even a wake-up
0: call for me. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I had a massive wake-up call. Like, I grew up in a really small village in, like, countryside Scotland. So there wasn't a lot of, like, minorities around. There wasn't a lot of different diverse families. Like, it was all very much, like, the same. And I think for me, like, growing up made me realize how much more diverse the world is and also made me question why isn't the place I grew up in so diverse? Like, why aren't there people there? that are not white and typically I want to say like middle class to be honest (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but that's something that we can all improve on like it's obviously an issue and I also just want to give one thing like this is so important please for the love of everyone on earth stop saying I'm not racist but because if you're Mm. saying but then you're racist like I'm not interested like that's so problematic and the word but just needs to not exist in that sentence Yeah.
1: yeah 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 It's true, because it's like saying I'm not racist, but and then you're just going to say something really racist. And it's like, no, if like we understand what you're trying to get at, but it's like removing yourself from that thing doesn't mean that you aren't racist. It just means that you're not taking responsibility for it. And it's not trying to say that you're being actively racist because you might not even realize, you are because we're probably so conditioned by you know the way that we live and the way that we grow up did not see certain things that are racist as racist so you might be doing something that is racist and just not realizing that it is so it's not necessarily your fault but by saying I'm not racist but it doesn't help anybody
0: exactly and it's not enough to just say I'm not racist anymore as well I think a big thing that a lot of people have taken away from recently and honestly it shouldn't have taken to george floyd dying for this to all happen and i will own own up and say i should have done more before now and it shouldn't have been a wake-up call but it is like we have to be actively anti-racist like it can't just be like oh i don't see color like that's problematic and if you want to know why like look it up
1: yeah it's true it's true
0: so i guess we'll probably dive a little bit into like the difference between systemic and systematic racism and just like how that impacts people in their lives, particularly, I guess, focusing on Britain, because that's where we both are from and live. So that's where we have our own experiences.
1: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the stuff we hear about racism is coming from America. So people in the UK have this idea that like it's only happening there and it's not happening here, which is not the case at all. It very much is happening here. So... Yeah, I think um, I've been thinking about this recently, like the difference between systematic and systemic, because I don't know about you, like for a lot of people, but I know for me until recently, I was still referring to it as systematic. And I didn't really understand what the difference between the two words was. Um, And so I've been doing some research and essentially it's, I found that the way that I understand it is like systematic is like one person creating a system. So that one person, it could be like, say you have, an actively racist family member, the way that they behave is then going to instill particular habits in their children to make their child actively racist. So in a sense, they've created a system of racism within their family. But that's just one individual. When we refer to racism as systemic, it's essentially saying that it is the system itself that we all live in that is racist. And so that's what, that's kind of the difference between systematic and systemic and that's why it needs to change because living in a racist system where all of us I'm not just going to say like oh you know just white people or non-black people all of us are blind to the amount of racism that's within our system but the difference is is that it's kind of like we're all within the system and indoctrinated into the system but then it gets to a point where white people I guess can get to a stage maybe within their mid-20s. Where they kind of take a step back and be like, oh, the system is really racist. I can do something to change that. And they like change their own behaviors and then sort of think that like everything's fine now. But then the black people and other non white people still have this kind of like two decades of trauma that they've had to endure when nobody realized that they were being racist towards them. And they've had to internalize that because they don't feel like they have the space to talk about it. Um, and even still, those you know people that have experienced the racism they might get to that point in their 20s where they have to unlearn certain internalized racism that has made them think negatively about themselves and the people within their communities so it's that's why we say that ending racism is so much bigger than just the individual so even though all the protests and the riots have been happening we've got justice for George Floyd but it's like all of these things are still continuously happening to so many people over and over again because the system itself is the problem and that's what needs to change.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's not just about your small bubble. Like your small bubble is a great place to start and yeah. starting on yourself is obviously very important, but there's so like you need to look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and just like in terms of like voting, like voting is so big and I think especially the fact that like even one thing, for example, is like when we talk about when women got the right to vote, it was yeah. not like when some women had the right to vote. Women didn't have all have the right to vote until all women could vote. Yes. That means black women, trans women, like
1: everyone. Married women, because originally it was just married women that could vote. Yeah, exactly.
0: Or they had to have like land and things like that. That's, yeah. not, that's not equality. No. It's not equal. Yeah. So we have to get rid of that date in our heads and Mm -hmm. think of when could everyone have a vote but even now that's problematic because more black people are going into the crime system for things that sometimes they didn't even do quite often or they're going for so much longer and by the time they come like they've lost their right to vote and that is so awful like it's just wrong like how are they supposed to vote for someone that's going to stand for them if they're not able to vote and then w- that means that we have to do more we can't just you can't just keep voting for like for yourself like oh well these policies work for me so that's great like, yeah that's not that's not okay and i'm just gonna boris johnson is not okay it's not the <laughs> prime minister and we need to do something about it like we really
1: do yeah it's ridiculous it's true i find a lot of people say that like They're referring to all these conversations that we're having now as like politics. And it's like, oh well, I don't really want to talk about politics. And it's like certain things you cannot talk about because they're political, but like people fighting for their lives is not a political debate. Like human rights exactly. It's It's not a political issue. Yeah, and human rights is not something that's up for debate. Like everybody deserves human rights. I don't understand why that's a difficult concept to grasp.
0: It's yeah, it's not rocket science they're not saying like, Oh, we deserve to be on top of the world. They're just asking for the same opportunities and to be treated in the same way. Like it's not, it's not a hard thing to get your head around. And I completely understand it is hard to step back and say, you know what? I've messed up in the past Mm -hmm. and I've done things I shouldn't have done. But step one of becoming like an ally is being able to own up to your mistakes if you have to text people and apologize for something that happened ten years ago, who cares? Do it. Like for mm-hmm. all you know, it could still be hurting that person. Yeah. So it is very important that you take the time to own up for what you've done.
1: Yeah.
0: And don't expect them to accept it either, because why should they? Like, they don't yeah. have to. I mean, you ten years to realize that you offended them. No, it's true. So it's I think that's that an important you- thing. And also check check up on your black friends right now. They're going through a shitty time. Like, uh, like as a white person, this has been difficult to see. And it's not even me that's been affected by this their whole lives. Yeah. So I think it's really important that we go, you know what? Are they doing okay? Like, and yeah, also like, don't yeah. say, oh, I have black friends, so I'm not racist. Like, that's not how the world works.
1: Definitely. That doesn't
0: mean anything.
1: Yeah. No, it's interesting you say that about, like, reaching out to people, because that is something that happened to me recently with all the stuff that's going on, I did have a friend that I hadn't spoken to for a few years because, you know, naturally you do just kind of drift apart from friends. And she did reach out to me and we ended up having a really good conversation. And now we're like, our friendship is like back to where it used to be. So it's, it's I think it's quite nice that that's it's like a silver lining because people are thinking that everything happening right now is so, so negative, but that is kind of a positive thing that can come out of it. You see what I'm saying? Um, and then what was what, you said something else that I thought was really interesting. What did you just say again? Uh, about oh God. <laughs> after the. Oh yeah, you were saying about um, checking up on your friends because yeah, I was just this to myself, it's kind of like, for you as a white person seeing all of this stuff going on, you're going through like a huge roller coaster of emotions, right? Yeah, but yeah. Black people, we go through this like weekly. Because exactly. we know there's nothing new, and so it's like, what you think is happening now, and the way that you're feeling, it's like you feel drained, and you're upset, and you're angry, and this, that, and the other. But then it's like, how is it affecting us when we have to go through this so often, but we don't have anyone really that we can talk about, talk about, talk to about it? Because people just want to suppress the issue and pretend like it doesn't exist, and that's what I. Yeah, would and say it's more
0: that. of a personal attack as well like yeah because it's not just like someone like it's not someone random on a camera like you have a you have an alliance do you know what I mean like yeah it could be your friend it could be your dad it could be your brother like Mm -hmm. it couldn't be my dad it couldn't be my brother yeah and
1: that's what I was saying before about we have all of this trauma that's built up for over these decades that we just have to suppress because it keeps happening and it keeps happening and it keeps happening and it just feels like what's the point in talking about it every single time because nothing's going to change and then you just get to a point where it's like it's too much
0: yeah i totally get that i think kind of rewinding a little bit um so we were talking about um like owning your mistakes and owning things that you've done in the past that like that wasn't right a good way to go about that is like journaling like take some time away from social media away from the internet away from like the outside world, if you like, and just reflect on yourself, take some time to be like, okay, like let's, and it's not, it's not a nice thing, like nice feeling when you realize you've messed up, but it's a step forward. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a step in the right direction. No, it's not going to feel nice, but imagine how the other person is going to be feeling about the way that you've dealt with something. So I think we just want to start off by owning like things that have happened in the past Mm -hmm. that like, I'm going to talk about a time that I should have done more Okay. And that I should have been more of an ally because I think it's important that you guys hear me owning things that I've messed up on because then hopefully that encourages you to do the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's like instances in my childhood of things that I need to journal more to remember more, but I'm going to talk about a more recent time. So I guess um, when Naomi and I were working at a summer camp, um, we this was my second year i'm gonna say to because that makes sense in the story this was my second year working at that summer camp and we were talking we had a meeting kind of thing about the songs that we were singing and we were talking about like should we be singing these songs like are they appropriate for us to sing like do we have do we have the right to them like can we be like oh this is my jam if we don't like understand what the song's actually about Mm -hmm. and the first thing that I'm ashamed is that I sang those songs a year before and I didn't even consider that. And I'm pretty darn sure we didn't have a meeting about it. And that's like, I should have taken it upon myself to be like, oh, hey, like, I don't know if we'd be singing, singing this. Like, I don't even know what, what I'm singing about right now. Like, that's, that's not right. And we were singing some songs that were like slavery songs and that's not a place for like, let's be like mainly white people to be singing about, especially mm-hmm. given that we didn't actually know their circumstances so in this meeting we were like chatting about certain like a certain song and how like this is problematic and now we said like this is this this is racist but then people were questioning it and I really like I'm annoyed at myself that I didn't stand like I didn't say oh no it's fine like whatever no it's good but I didn't say anything which is almost in a way like worse to me like I could have spoken up and been like no if a black person tells you it's racist, it's racist. Mm. Like, how, how are you to know whether it's racist or not? You haven't lived that life yeah. and you have no it idea.
1: Was, it was like the way people were defending it being like, because it, it essentially was this song that was kind of written to like a Calypso beat and it was supposed to be kind of like an island sort of Jamaican vibe, which for me, hearing the song initially, I was like, the way you've written it is supposed to sound like a Jamaican accent. I've never heard a single Jamaican person in my life sound like that. And then it also came out that the man who wrote the song was white and was also a racist. So, you know, as Percy was saying, I brought it up and I said that, like, this isn't an appropriate song, like it's cultural appropriation and all of this. And then people were coming back and being like, oh, yeah, but can't we just sing it because it's like a really catchy tune and it's like really upbeat and people like it.
0: Yeah. And saying things like, oh, but I like doing that voice. That's no, you shouldn't be impersonating other people's accents in a way that is not accurate so then derogatory towards them sure like impersonate a scottish accent if you want like that's fine as long as you don't butcher it but don't like don't do other accents that you don't know anything about and you're just kind of pretending like that's not okay like that is totally like taking advantage of a culture that you know nothing about Mm. and it's also not like it was the only song in the songbook like there were a lot of other songs that we could sing instead and the end result was to put a pencil through it, so not even a pen. Which is yeah. like, well, we're thinking about it, but we could go back on it. And I really wish I'd been like, no, give me a sharpie. Like, <laughs> that's not yeah. okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm just gonna say like, I I should have owned that. There's definitely other times, and maybe in another podcast I can talk about other times if I think of more in the future. But I definitely think that is something where I should have been like, no, like I want to be an ally. I want to be anti-racist. We shouldn't be saying this. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. I don't know if you have uh, an experience you want to share? Um, with
1: me. Yeah, I think I want to take my experience kind of differently because I think right now it's very easy to hear black people being like, "Oh, look at all the ways that I've experienced racism." But we have to remember, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, because we're all living within this racist system, it's not just about white people or non-black people being actively racist towards you. It's also about how you internalize your racism. And so I was thinking about this recently, because um, just to like give you a little bit of background about myself, I'm really like into makeup um, and stuff like that. And when I was really starting to get into it, I had this one friend and we used to go out together. So we always used to like get ready all the time. And she was white and she would like do contouring and stuff like this. And I would always say to her, like, oh, contouring is such a white girl thing to do. And it was only recently when I was thinking about it. And I was like, Where is that coming from? Why was I saying that kind of thing? And it's initially it was because when I was, you know, getting into makeup and I was walking into all these stores and trying to buy new makeup, this was like when contouring first blew up. I was never seeing contour products that were dark enough for my skin. And obviously we can see that the blatant racism is there because it's about the makeup brands not wanting to cater for dark skin tones. But then obviously I'm seeing that and thinking, oh, well, if these products aren't there for me to contour my skin, then that's not something that I need to do. That's obviously just something for white girls to do. That's why they have all these contour products and I don't. But then also I was thinking about it more deeply recently. And I think it's also a thing of internalising that lighter skin is better because that's what we've always been taught. And so I was saying to myself, why would I need to contour? because contouring makes your skin darker my skin's already dark why would I want to make it any darker and it wasn't until recently that I thought about that and I was like that is that is like I really deeped it and I was like did I really think about myself I really thought that making my skin any darker than it already was was a bad thing and so that's why I thought that contouring was just the thing that white girls did
0: yeah. And I think as well, it's like I saw an Instagram post where it was like things you don't realize that you've True. had as a white person, things you don't realize have been like made for you. Like plasters, yeah. for example, yeah. like they are made for white skin mm-hmm. most of the time. The same like crayons. Yeah. And then I actually on that um program, Black and Scottish, um one of the women was talking about when she was in art class when she was younger and they were doing self-portraits and um everyone else was like getting the white color and she was like oh I don't and she was mixed race and she was like oh I can't like find my own color like there wasn't any brown paint yeah and so she was like oh um maybe if I mix black and white together and it mm-hmm. came out with gray and that's such a like having that be like oh that's not me so yeah I think just something as small as that is something that you have to consider, especially like if you're going to be a teacher or something like that, or you're going to run an art class, is that these things are included naturally and it's not something somebody has to ask for. Yeah, definitely. Not having a plaster that fits your skin. Like it might not seem like a big thing to us because we've mm-hmm. never had that issue. Yeah. But imagine being on the other side. Like it's it's impossible to ever feel how a person of color feels in this situation. And like, I personally know that obviously I never will, but it doesn't mean that you can't be an ally. Like you just need Mm -hmm. to realize that you're never going to feel as traumatized or as hurt as they are. And that's just a fact. Right. And you have to use that and ask them about their experiences, but also respect their boundaries. And people Mm -hmm. will talk about things when they're ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also a case of like, we're at a point now, as you were saying before about, it's not about just not being racist, about being anti-racist. And I think being an ally yes you need to have that period where you do just kind of listen and you learn but then you have to get to a point where you're like it's enough listening like they've spoken enough we've been speaking about this for centuries it's time to act now yeah exactly just listening all the time is not really going to benefit that much There, there does come a point where you have to act as well and yes you might be afraid that like you might put a foot wrong or you might do something um is disrespectful and you might because you're still making mistakes all of us are learning but it's more the fact that you tried you are actively trying that's what's important
0: yeah i totally agree and i think something like but we're gonna start talking about how to be an ally but before that we just want to say it's not just happening in america like this was such a prevalent thing when this all first came about i guess like on social media was everyone was like why are we talking about what's going on in america what's happening in america like What's this got to do with Britain? Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. It's not like and inc- like first of all, like the British people went to America and supposedly discovered it. No, they didn't. They just had a mass genocide and decided they owned the land. Right. Which is a whole issue that you need to learn about colonialism if you don't know about it, and the fact that it isn't taught in our schools is extremely problematic. Because how are our children supposed to understand the past of this country and do better? if we're not even willing to own up for our past like Britain are so good at acting like polite and nice and well-mannered but in reality we're hiding so much underneath the carpet and right. it just has to stop like I went to school obviously I went to school for 13 years in Scotland and not once did I learn about the UK civil rights like I didn't even know that existed mm-hmm. and that is like why was I learning like let's flip it the other way well, why was I learning about America when I live in Britain? Like, I don't have a problem with learning about other countries, but I also should be learning about things happening where I live instead of just avoiding that. And I think that's just like deeply problematic.
1: 100%. I think it's also important to teach Black history as more than just how oppressed you are. Because I think the reason that I like systemic racism is so successful is because the way that um, history and things is taught in schools, it's taught as like, look at all these amazing white people and what they did. They went and colonized the whole world and they did all these great things. And it, as a white child, you're going to feel empowered because you're going to look at these people that look just like you and go, oh, wow, they did all these amazing things. But then as a black child or as a child of color, that history lesson on the flip side is saying that, oh, before these white people came, you were just a savage and you had nothing. And then they, they took you and you were a slave. So you're going to see these people that look just like you and you're going to think, oh, is that where I came from? Is that all that I'm good for? And so it's so important to teach other history because black people were in England way before slavery, way before World War II, way before civil rights. Like there were black people in the royal family like three, 400 years ago. And the evidence is there if you look for it. But it's just the fact that You have to actively search for it. These things need to be taught as well so that everybody feels empowered. It's not just about changing the curriculum to say to white kids, look at these disgusting things that your ancestors did. It's teaching all children your ancestors did some bad things, but they also did these great things. And it's about balance for all of those children.
0: Exactly. We just have to stop telling history from a Eurocentric white narrative. Like, we act like we've come so far as a world, but we're still doing things from that narrative. And I'll own up to it. Like in high school, I didn't realize that at all. I was very lucky that when I went to university and studied English literature that my and film, I guess. Um my courses were very smart and putting lots of different texts in and talking about that. And I also was very privileged to be able to go to Canada and do like study abroad in Toronto which was such an eye-opening experience for me studying post-colonial literature in a place that we had colonized and where the indigenous people in Canada are still being impacted to this day by the damage that we have caused there and I think for me that was so big to be like oh shit like this happened like was it my relative maybe maybe not like I don't know but that doesn't matter like I live here now and I like obviously can't tick a box and say when you're born you don't take a box and say oh yes I want to be white but you don't take a box and say yes I want to be black like nobody chooses yeah like their race or their nationality it's not something that is like a choice like you're just born with what you're born with and we need to celebrate children who are born in all different places in all different races and in all different ways all different abilities like it's so important that we represent and celebrate don't just like be like, oh, yeah, your ancestors exist. Like, celebrate them. Yeah. Like, black women have done some really cool things as well. Like, the caller ID, like, game changer. <laughs> it's so nice to know who's calling me. Yeah. And that was yeah. a black woman. And yeah. also, like, the film Hidden Figures. Like, watch that. Very, yeah. very informative.
1: Yeah. So, even, yeah. And, and especially, like, since it's Pride Month right now, we have to recognize that, like, the very first Pride Stonewall, that was a riot begun by a black transgender woman. Um, But then I think it's also important to realise, you know, you were talking about the film Hidden Figures. Sometimes these historical Mm -hmm. films can be very misleading as well, because obviously they're still part of this systemic racism. They often have these, like, white saviour kind of tropes in them. So I was watching this video, it was literally yesterday, about that film, and it's kind of like, if you haven't seen the film, I'm not going to try and give it away, but there's this one particular character who is kind of like, because obviously the whole film is about... um, like the women in NASA that help with the space race, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And there's this one particular white man who is seen to be like an ally of the black women Mm -hmm. and that kind of like makes their life easier in the film. But in real life, that man did not exist. And so it's like these films are creating these characters and these storylines that didn't exist to create these kind of like white savior narratives so that white people will feel more comfortable, so that they'll watch the film and say, Oh, that was such a terrible thing. But look at this great white man, he helped them so much. And then they'll leave the cinema and feel better about themselves and think, Oh, well, what a great thing that that doesn't happen anymore. And it's like these characters are written in, these storylines are written in to lull them into a false sense of security. So then they don't feel like racism is their problem. And that is also something yeah. that need to be really. That's really interesting yeah
0: I didn't know that actually that that is like that's definitely something as well as like yes watch documentaries and things like that like that is a way to educate yourself but I guess like that Naomi's just highlighted the point like that I didn't do with that film and probably should have like do your research yeah. for all I films all films thing. are
1: biased yeah it's not just like white people's fault because as I say I didn't know that until yesterday and I've watched that film so many times I love that film and I didn't know that until recently as well so it's It's not just up to white people to do their research. We need to do our research as well. Like everybody does. Everybody needs to educate themselves.
0: Yeah. And I think one important thing to take, like the one, I guess, one of the good things I did learn in history in school is that everyone has a bias. No matter what you're reading, like somebody is coming from a point of view that is biased in some way. Their bias is not necessarily negative. You have to be aware, especially at the moment when reading the news, you have that somebody has written that and a human being just cannot have no bias it's not possible like we're not beings that exist in a way that we can be unbiased yeah we all have personal experiences and nothing can change that mm-hmm. so I think that's something we could delve into I guess about how to be an ally but something before that is um obviously the protests happened over the last week and um well all around the world but um I know that you went to the one in London Naomi I don't yeah,
1: really want to London. talk about that um yeah I think sorry um I think it's interesting what you were saying about like the media and how everything's written in in like a bias because the way that the the protests were portrayed in the media was as if they were riots as if everything was so violent and people didn't care about social distancing or covid or anything like that and as someone who was actually there I was like that could not be further from the truth like all of the protests I went to were completely peaceful. I never had any issues. I never saw anything happening. I'm not saying that things didn't happen later on in the evening because I'm aware that like once it gets later and people are kind of tired and things start to get ha- happen and like as people are leaving, the police get a little bit more brave and then they start to intervene and then that's when issues happen. But the whole time that I was there and I was at these protests for a good like five, six hours at a time, I never saw any issues like everybody was really peaceful. People were caring about social distancing. People were there in masks. There were literally stations set up along the route that we were marching. But people were handing out PPE. People were handing out masks. People were handing out gloves and sanitizer, all of these things. But then the media is going to spin it to look like, oh, look at these rioters, they're ruining, they're defacing all of these things in the country. They're not caring about COVID. If we have another spike, it's going to be because of them. And that just was not the case. And I think as a black person, because of the way I've been raised, I've always had this kind of distrust of the media and of the police, because obviously within my community, we know that they're not for us. And so I can look at the media in a very critical way, in a way that other people in the country wouldn't, they would look at the media and just take it as face value and assume that everything that the media is writing is correct, because what the media is writing fits their narrative. Whereas I look at it in a different way, because I know that it doesn't fit my narrative. And so I think being an ally is, as you were saying, it's important to look at these things critically, and think about what way are the media twisting it? Like what is their bias? What is their what is their kind of motivation? What do they want people to feel when they see these things? And obviously the most easy way that we can see like evidence of that is with like the way that they write things about Kate Middleton and the way they write things about Meghan Markle. The two women yeah. would do the exact same thing, but the way they write it is like Kate Middleton, one an angel, she's so great. Meghan Markle, look at this horrible woman. We hate her. So you really like take a step back when you see things in the media and just think, what actually is their motivation? What is their bias when they're presenting this information? What do they want you to feel?
0: Yeah, and call it out. Like we have, there is power as being a reader of something or a listener. I suppose, like whether it's you're a reader, whether it's online or like in a actual newspaper, but. If you don't keep buying and listening to these things, they're not going to exist anymore. So you have to call it out because they have to listen to their readership if they want yeah. to survive. That's so true. it's time that we start. We should we should have been calling out the British media a long time before now. Yeah. It's time that we start calling out things and being like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, that's not what I heard. Yeah. And at protests, don't take photos that like involve people's faces, but yeah, try and take photos that show like for instance in scotland like i unfortunately couldn't go to the edinburgh march and i really march protest and i really would have liked to but i'm working in the hub schools at the moment with um children and children of emergency workers and obviously i can't take any risks but i did watch the protest um live and scotland is different than england in terms of um coronavirus right now so they were like england was careful but scotland was crazy careful it was a static protest Mm -hmm. and they had like spray painted or something i guess um circles into the grass of where every person was to stand so they were all yeah. socially distanced they were all told they had to wear masks they all have to self-isolate for two weeks afterwards and that's what the organizers have requested yeah. if somebody chooses not to do that that's on them that's not on the organizer Definitely. but i think that that is such an important thing to do that they've totally like take being like no we do understand that there's a world pandemic but this is also Essentially a world pandemic like racism is might as well be a world pandemic like this needs to change. Yeah. Um they can't just sit around and wait anymore. Like it's not fair and the the movement is here now and people have to start start listening. Boris Johnson has to stop giving bullshit statements and start actually owning his past
1: mistakes. Yeah. I think people have to think like the fact that we're doing this right now during a pandemic, does that not just underline how important this is? Because if we could wait until after, we would. But we can't, so we're not. And that is it. And I think also for our generation, it is a little bit easier for us to be distrusting of the media because we have social media and we I mean, can interact and their information so much faster. But for the older generations, they grew up with you know the newspapers and the news being their only source of information. So they had no choice but to trust it. And so it's hard for us now to tell them you shouldn't be trusting this thing that you've always trusted. So I see I see where the difficulty lies, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I do. But I also think that the old generation sometimes don't get enough credit. Like I think that a lot of the time in this movement, we've seen that people, older people are willing to change and some of them don't even need to change. Like they have been trying to be anti-racist for a lot longer. Oh, 100%, 100%. It's just something the media hasn't portrayed for them. It's true, but it's totally something that's happening, and obviously, it's not an excuse to say, Well, that's their generation. And I yeah. can tell you so many people that would agree and are of that generation would say, Well, yeah, it is still my job to do better. Like, you can't just be like, Well, I grew up in a time where that was okay, like, it's not, yeah. So, my parents grew up in a yeah, time when not... feeling for healthy, but now they're not. So, yeah, it's not a good enough excuse, it really isn't yeah exactly so i think we're just gonna kind of talk about how to be an ally and first of all we just want to start by saying like i'm not a perfect ally like and nobody will ever be the perfect ally like that doesn't exist it's just about Mm -hmm. being actively engaging and actively trying to do more in your life yeah not listening but actively listening but then taking what you hear and like doing something with it whether that's contacting your university that you go to to ask like how are they making diversity happen in the university? How are they including things that should be included? Asking your employers, oh, how do you, um, how do you go about having a diverse company? Mm-hmm. Like, and shopping black, like that's something that I definitely need to improve on and have yeah. my hands up and say I've been awful at it.
1: I do as well. The black community in general, we are awful at shopping black. Like statistics show that money stays in the black community for the least amount of time than any other race and it's just because we don't have those infrastructures that other communities have so like there's an area of london if you're from london you'll know Edgware road it's a very famously asian kind of muslim community and if you go along Edgware road everything they have everything there in their community have their supermarkets their cafes their shops their banks all of those things their schools all of that so when they earn money it stays within the community and that's what helps them grow and be better but black people we don't really have that yet and I think that's what we need and it's not to say that we haven't tried because you know there was that town in America I think it was back in like the 60s or the 70s where they were like a completely self-sufficient black town they had everything there that they needed and the KKK were just like no we don't like it and came in and just It to the ground. And since then, we haven't really had anything like that. And then there was another one that I found out about recently that Central Park in New York is literally sat on top of what used to be a thriving black community. It was set up with like recently freed slaves. So this was, you know, a good couple of hundred years ago. They were recently freed slaves. They couldn't really go and live in the white communities because they weren't accepted. So they started their own community and they were doing well for themselves. And then people were just like, nope, completely flattened it. And that's where Central Park lives today. And I think that's kind of like why in the Black community, yeah, we're seeing a lot more Black you know, shops and brands and things popping up, but there still isn't that infrastructure. So it's very hard for our money to stay within our community and allow mm-hmm. us to grow because you can chop Black, but then where are their suppliers? Are their suppliers Black? Are you banking Black? you know those kind of things and it's like that's what we need to be building but we can't do that if people are not taking the first step to shop Like
0: yeah. yeah and i think it's no longer an excuse as well to say well like i don't know where to find them like now people are so much more vocal on mm-hmm. social media platforms than before like i would say particularly on like instagram stories um of like showing you where these places are so now but don't ob- obviously if you're tight on money, like don't buy something until you're in a place that you can do so. But like, think about the things that you use on a daily basis. Like, I don't know, like beauty products and things like that. And think, oh, when this runs out, maybe I could find like somewhere else that I could get this from and do your research and start looking now. Like you don't need to buy now, but just be aware of the companies and that way you're more likely to invest your money into them in the future. I know that if you are struggling for money there is definitely other ways that you can be an ally like it's not all about donating yeah and that is something that i think is important to say because it is incredible if you have the money to donate donate amazon i'm talking to you but (laughs) if you don't have the money to donate like please don't make yourself go broke because you feel and especially not because you feel bad because white fragility is like a whole other thing which Mm -hmm. is a long complicated but it shouldn't be because you feel bad it should be because you want to do better
1: Yeah, like being an ally, as you say, isn't just about donating. It's also just about the way that you live your life day to day. It's about the conversations that you're having with people, the way that you're interacting with Black and other people of colour. And it it can be as small as just like if you have those thoughts that we all have, because as I say, we're all brought up in this racist system. We're all going to have these thoughts that are slightly racist. I'm going to have them. You're going to have them. Regardless of your race, you're going to have them. But the first step is like when you have these thoughts, just stop yourself for a second and be like, why did I just think that? Where did that come from? And analyse that within yourself to make sure that in the future you don't have that thought again. And that's just like how you can make those small changes day to day. And like when you're having children, how are you going to raise them to be actively racist? Because I've had this conversation with other people as black children we have this conversation from very, very young that we need to understand that we're going to be treated differently because we are Black. Whereas I have a lot of white friends and not a single one of them had that conversation when they were a child. Their parents never sat down, sat them down and spoke to them about race. And I think that's a very interesting thing that we can see is like, because those white children don't have that conversation, they grow up thinking that this isn't their problem. And then they get to a certain age where, where people are like, okay, well, now they're old enough to talk about racism. And by then it's too late. It's like if black children have to know about racism from the age of like three, why is it that white children have to be a certain age before they're old enough or mature enough to understand it?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it, one of the things is that it starts at home, but it doesn't end at home. Definitely. Like it starts with your small circle. It starts with call, it, call out your family members. You got an uncle that keeps saying something racist tell them it's wrong but don't just tell them it's wrong tell them why Mm. like educate people in your life if they need it like my my mama asked like if I could send her stuff that I've been reading because she was interested to know more about how she can be helping here like your family quite often are want to learn just as much as you do but they're not prevalent on social media and they don't have access to these things so give them access, like send stuff with them, like talk to your families, even at dinner, just like have a discussion about it. Be like, what can we do better as a household? Like what can we change as a family that we could do differently? And I think going off of what Naomi was saying about like educating children, this is something that like for sure is something that teachers need to do in terms of schools, but school is only so much of a child's life. And as much as teachers can try to implement messages and diversify their classrooms, it is going to do nothing for the child if they go home and their parents just tell them, Oh, don't listen to that. It's all a load of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like it's important as a parent that you are able to take ownership and accept that you need to do more and you need to be talking to your children about it's not saying like talk to your kids about police brutality when they're three. It's no. saying like represent people of all races and nationalities in like the books you're reading to your kids when they're too, like, I'm sure that you're reading to your kids or listening to music or things like that. Represent and celebrate different people in the world so that your kid can grow up knowing that, okay, there's differences in the world, but that's fine. That's cool. That's something that we can celebrate. Like, racism is not something you're born with. It's something you're taught. Yeah, And I think there's so many videos that prove that with children just, like, being anti-racist and probably unintentionally. Yeah, And that's incredible that children can do that.
1: I think we have a lot to learn from children, to be quite honest, because children just love people. They don't ask questions. They don't care. And it's not just about saying, oh, I don't see colour, because that doesn't help anyone. say to a person of colour, I don't see colour. What you're really saying to them is, I don't see your struggles. I don't see, I don't want to acknowledge my privilege and I don't want to acknowledge that you struggle with things because you're different to me. There's nothing wrong with seeing someone's color and acknowledging that they're different. It doesn't make you a racist. Like children yes, see celebrate them. that exactly. Children see children are not blind. Children see that other children are different. The difference with children is they don't care. They, they don't like it. Yeah, cool. that Things are different.
0: They don't want to all be the same. They're not interested in being like a little mold. Exactly. That the government's like throwing out like exactly. kids are all so different and so vibrant and all come with. Incredible talents, and it, they are so happy to celebrate each other if you give them the opportunity. It's and true. most of the time, I'm not going to say all of the time, but most of the time, they will stand up for another child in the playground, regardless. They will. They will. Half the time, they might not even be friends. But
1: yeah, I think it's interesting the way our education system is because I used to work in nurseries, and nurseries are so much about celebrating children's differences. But it's interesting to know where we get to that point in the education system where it becomes more important for them to all be the same. I want to know where that place lies because obviously you work with children but we've worked with children of different ages and so our our experience of the education system is going to be slightly different so where do you kind of see that change start to happen?
0: Yeah I don't know because I want to say in in general in primary schools there is definitely still a big push on like differences are cool and important and there's like songs you sing at assembly and things like that but i feel mm. like when they get older in primary school there's kind of not a discussion that needs to happen like right. there isn't kind of an education of um black history in britain and colonialism and racism and that doesn't necessarily like i'm not saying do that on p2 but there is things <laughs> that you can be talking to the kids about like by like I don't know, like P3, P4, like even just reading more diverse books. Yeah. And like diversifying your school library and also the public libraries, because some kids can only access books through public libraries. Right. And I think that in high school is particularly in high school is where there needs to be a big change. I think the history, I can only speak for Scottish high schools that I like, my high school. Right. The history that I was learning in high school was not what it should, like, was not enough. And I was not learning enough about our own country yeah about like i wasn't learning much about scott scotland's history in general to be honest but i particularly yeah. wasn't learning about like the black history in scotland and that's like how is the, the child in that class supposed to feel represented because representation 100%. is validation and if it's done right it should be a celebration
1: 100 People
0: like it's not saying like oh wow look at all these amazing black people that did things like obviously not everyone in the, the race is great but also neither are all white people so why are we talking about them like they're all great like yeah. it's just being able to recognize that
1: yeah I think it's I, to, I think well, agree with what you're saying about, like, from... yeah I think with the representation as well I think it's important to have resources from different cultures that also are not yeah. just centered around that culture you see what I mean so it's like often you'll see books about you know black children or Indian children or films as well and it's like the whole storyline is centered around them being black or them being Indian whereas there are like so many books and films and things about white people that have nothing to do with their race and it's kind of like white people are allowed to just exist and they're allowed to just be whereas people of color it's like we're only allowed to be when we have a specific purpose or we only matter when we provide things so like a lot of the things that's been happening recently it's like oh well black lives matter because look how much stuff like look how much you know art and music and stuff they've created and it's like well why why do we only matter when you can benefit from us and it's like all of these like big blockbuster films that are coming out that have like all black cast and all black directors and stuff and it's amazing it is but it's like those kind of films can only be successful when they are so immaculate and when they're so amazing. And also when there is some element of the storyline that is about the racial struggle. Whereas on the other hand, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything, but there are some movies that have like all-white cast and all right white and stuff. And they are absolutely shit. Like the storyline no, is totally not agree. good. Like the storyline is not good. The directing is not good. But it's like, why is it okay for white people to just exist and just be kind of mediocre and get praised for it whereas people of color can only get praised when they're being excellent do you see what i mean like just
0: have stories with kids being kids like just have books that are just like kids being kids maybe it's a black kid maybe it's a asian kid maybe it's a scottish kid maybe it's an english kid like it shouldn't matter like it should just be a story like just make sure that your stories are diversified but that doesn't mean they every story that has a black person in it has to be about race yeah
1: exactly like,
0: every story that has a girl in it has to be about feminism like yeah. no like yeah. truly can people not just exist and the, how they would exist on their daily lives like yeah. the point of storytelling is to celebrate like life and to mm. celebrate like adventures and things like that and there's no reason why a black child can't go to hogwarts like
1: yeah i think it's it not? might even just be as simple as like Taking stories that children are already being taught, to, like re-illustrating the books, and just like having some of the characters in the books just like color them in brown, so they're you know a slightly different color, but you don't have to change the story. And it's so it's just teaching children that you know people just exist. It doesn't doesn't, yeah, exactly. it doesn't matter. It just exists. Guess, way, but it doesn't make it. It doesn't matter.
0: And also, I guess just quickly, we should say like J.K. Rowling like trans rights matter and black trans lives also matter and i don't like i could go on a lot more about that but that's all i'm going to say like you can support a book you can have enjoyed a book in a childhood without liking the author and i think roland Barthes' death of the author is very important right now it's good theory but um yeah black not all black lives can matter until black trans lives matter and that's just that's That's a fact
1: and that is also a message to the black community because as a black person, I know that homophobia is huge in the black community. And like, I'm like, I'm one of those people that is exactly like you said, all black lives, black lives cannot matter until all black lives matter. And there's so much homophobia, even in my own family. And my own family know that I will fight them any time of the day. If you say something homophobic about me, I will fight you. I nearly ruined our Christmas dinner because people started saying some stuff about straightly come dancing and like them having same-sex couples. I nearly threw the turkey across the room. I was like, I'm gonna fight you. How can you say that you want equality and you want this for black people and you're so pro-black, but that doesn't include black gay people? That doesn't include black trans? No, I'm not. I'm not having it. You can misread that. I will fight you. I don't care if you're my uncle. I'm gonna fight you. <laughs>
0: exactly and that's a good way to look at being an anti-racist like it doesn't matter how you know the person also you can use the relationship you have with them to an advantage yeah because you can be like look like if i can understand this surely you can like we're the same blood um i guess something else is something that i think is important is the changes what changes are you taking offline so like it's really great to be like doing things online and um like sharing Instagram stories and sharing people's posts and writing posts and doing all that and sharing videos and resources but what are you doing in your own life like what are you taking offline I guess I will say though that obviously a lot of things that you're taking offline are kind of happening online right now because of COVID-19 but like sending emails to like I don't know like your work or to an MP or um, like phoning MPs or going to a protest I guess like those are all things that I know the emails is not offline, but like that would be offline if we weren't in the world pandemic. So I think that's yeah. something that we all it's need like, to what, and think what about. What
1: are you doing that are not performative? What things are you doing that's not like, hey, look at me, what I'm, look, look what I'm doing, kind of thing?
0: Yeah, like it's not about performative allyship. Like if you think you need to be an ally because everyone else is being one and you don't want to feel like left out or whatever, you need to realize that in yourself and take a step back and reflect and figure out why do i actually why should i actually be doing this mm. why should i care about this and do your research before you say anything like don't just post a black square and think that that's enough
1: yeah and then it the next day because it doesn't fit your instagram layout not being an ally it's not yeah
0: exactly yeah i think that it's just like you need to be able to take it it's not and it also shouldn't be something you always have to vocalize like you shouldn't have to be like Oh my gosh, I did this today. Oh my gosh, I did yeah. that yesterday. Like, have you seen what I've done today? You should be able like nobody knows what happens behind closed doors and you shouldn't have to tell everyone everything that you're doing to make a difference. Like Definitely. if somebody asks, fair enough. Tell them, but it shouldn't just mm-hmm. be like, Oh yeah, I've done this. Have you done yeah. this? Like,
1: oh this is or if
0: you unless are it's like share a suggestion. It.
1: Yeah, or if you are gonna share it, be it from a place of like, oh, I did this thing and I think it'd be great if you did this too. Yeah. Because that will help, not just to like come and praise me because i signed a petition today
0: yeah look like, at me go like i'm so yeah, cool exactly. Like
1: no, don't do yeah. that like racism has ended because of me like no, no. that's not how it
0: works dear. i think one la- there's so many things that we could talk about in this conversation really could yeah. last forever and um, i will have other podcasts linked in the show notes um for people to listen to like other people particularly like um podcasts that are made by people of color but I think we just want to round off by saying a couple things but one thing that we want to say is take a break from social media don't let yourself get run down don't let yourself get burnt out like there's so many good resources I know that there's a lot of I probably will find some and put them in the show notes there's a lot of places where particularly people of color can go and get like free I guess online therapy at the moment yeah and have like time to be with their thoughts and to process them and that is something that is so important but also just in general if you're an ally and you're seeing all these things and it's it will become a lot it will become too much and going to protests and doing these things take a step back like if you can't look after yourself how can you possibly help other people and the movement is not leaving just -hmm. because you take a day off doesn't mean everyone else is
1: yeah and I think it's also important, as you were saying, to, like take time to yourself, but also make sure that you're still enjoying the things that you, you have always enjoyed or like start something new because part of the movement is not just about highlighting the negative things. It's about bringing the positive things to light as well because part of the issue that we know is that black people are often always painted in this negative light. And that's why people don't really care about what's happening to us because they think that we deserve it. So it's not just about sharing things about oh look at this other person that was killed it's also you know listening to more music by black artists and sharing you know poetry and books and things and saying like look at all these positive things that are coming from the black community as well are things that all of us can enjoy and all of us can incorporate just into our daily lives to make things better
0: Yeah I think don't become desensitized to violence if you're constantly seeing things like that you will become desensitized and honestly don't really look at statistics like if that's Mm -hmm. something that helps you if you have a mathematical brain then I guess you can but just be aware that statistics are really good at dehumanizing experiences and like making something into a number instead of a person and it's it's so much bigger than that if you do need to look at some do but I wouldn't bogged down that's why we haven't talked about any here because i just don't think i think it there's the right to, way
1: we need to study statistics really well as well mm-hmm. because it's very easy to look at a graph and think oh well they're just exaggerating because this graph says that this thing isn't a huge issue but actually you need to study that that graph like how big is is you know the the pool that they're taking these numbers from like is it actually representative of what it's trying to say that it's representative of because a lot of times it's not people skew statistics to fit their narrative and they're not oftentimes and not accurate
0: yeah and what is the limiting factors like is it a phone is it a phone call survey because who who answers our landline
1: exactly not many exactly so yeah a lot of the time statistics can be very very biased so you need to be aware of that
0: yeah, I think we'll just finish off with two things. So the first thing is I just want to, every week I'm shouting out things that I'm reading at the moment. So um, obviously I like to keep it relevant to the episode. So two things that I'm reading right now is um, The End of Policing by Alex S. Vitale. Um It's actually free on Verso Books. So if you go on Verso Books online, I don't know, I'm presuming it's still free and you can download the ebook for free. So that's a great resource if you are not able to buy books or anything like that just now. And another one I'm reading is um, No Problem Here, Understanding Racism in Scotland, which so far has been very eye-opening. And I'll give you guys updates when I've finished it. And I actually bought this at a local bookshop in Edinburgh called um, Lighthouse Books, which is a bookshop I really recommend that you check out. It's like Scotland's first political bookshop, I guess. And they actually have a whole section on their website for anti-racism texts for if you need more resources. And it's also really good to represent and help out local bookshops, but obviously look for black owned bookstores in your area if you mm-hmm. have some. Like that's a great place to be buying things for. And I think we're just gonna end the um podcast on a positive note because I do always like to have a nice note at the start and a nice note at the end to know that yeah. there is solutions here. Like the world is not going backwards. We are moving forwards, which is nice. So we're just gonna end with a positive news story. And I think Naomi's find one that she'd like to
1: Yeah. So um I mean most people have probably heard about it. It was the um Colston statue in Bristol being taken down and thrown into the river by the Black Lives Matter protesters, um, and which has then led to like a lot of other statues, not just in our country but around the world, being taken down. Which I know to some people doesn't sound that positive because some people have been like, "Oh, defacing property and stuff like that." But I think it's a positive because it's people are starting to realize that the society that they've lived that they live in is is based upon negative things, and they want to make active change to make people aware of that and to change those things so to me I saw it as a positive
0: yeah I agree I think it's um taking away the celebration of people who have done things that we shouldn't be celebrating definitely so I think that's yeah. really important um yeah so thanks for coming on the episode today now we, i don't know if you just want to end by giving out your handles like where people can find you
1: yeah um you can find me on instagram and tiktok both of those are at majestic underscore mayhem i do like a lot of makeup things on tiktok i like to think that i'm quite funny but you know that's up to you to decide i would say watch my tiktoks and then you know you can let me know if you think i'm hilarious or not so that's my instagram and my tiktok um you can find me on youtube which is just majestic mayhem um i have taken a little bit of a step back from youtube i'm trying to get back on top of that with you know makeup tutorials and things like that so please subscribe to me there um yeah that's where you can find me
0: sweet and i will have all of naomi's handles in the um show notes and i seriously recommend that you do check her out especially on tiktok she's a bit of a tiktok queen so yeah (laughs) thanks for having me having you thanks for coming on the podcast Natalie Um, and I will see you guys next week well I'll hear you you'll hear me next week I guess okay right bye